As the business environment keeps changing faster than ever before, today's guest, Linda Popke, shares what you can do to keep your company relevant as your market changes. Join us for episode 212 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. And welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And sitting right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, everybody. It's great to have you with us. And as always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas to help visionary leaders accelerate themselves of course, their companies, to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. You know, Pam, leading an established company to keep it relevant as the world keeps changing, it can be a tricky art. All we need to do to prove this is just look at the news to see companies that used to be giants, used to be dominant in their uh-huh. industries, that have faded out, they're gone now, yes. or, or they're just a shadow of their former selves. You know, we're not here to point fingers, but, <laughs> but everybody can think of examples. Absolutely. And on the other hand, there are leadership teams of well-established companies, yeah. beloved brands that have transcended the challenges of staying relevant to their market. Yeah. The leaders are proactively transforming their companies and they're creating game-changing value that has taken them to new heights of market success. It sounds very inspirational, and it is, and it's also very profitable. It can be. And you don't have to be a startup to do this, but you have to be able to go with the flow and know that there's a lot at stake. So let's discuss what it takes to stay relevant in a changing marketplace. Well, that's why we're speaking today with award-winning Silicon Valley-based marketing expert, Linda Popke. Linda's the founder and president of Leverage to Market Associates. She helps organizations and individuals get heard above the noise by creating compelling content that matters. Her clients include startups, small businesses, mid-sized companies, and large Fortune 500 companies. Just a little bit more about Linda, because we want to get right to the conversation. Linda is the author of Marketing Above the Noise, Achieve Strategic Advantage with Marketing That Matters, and Top of Mind 101 Insights to Transform Your Business. She also helps authors create more compelling self-published and commercially published books. A classically trained pianist, Linda recorded Night Songs, a CD of classical piano music. And uh, she and her family share their home in San Francisco Bay Area with a small pack of Siberian Huskies. Uh huh. Yep. You can read much more about Linda's background by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 212, and scrolling down to her bio. Linda, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Well, thank you. Great to be here, Pam and Scott. Yes, it's been about time. And I'm a follower of your blog. And uh, of course, we know each other as colleagues as well. 
I'm looking forward to this conversation. But before we really get into it, I, I'm curious, what was the major influence that led you to your business focus? You could have done Siberian Huskies. You could have been... Concert pianist. Exactly. So why? Well, I, I could have been a concert pianist if I was a little better, but uh, I knew I wasn't quite that quality. And uh, my dad um, said to me, look, you can study music, but you got to find a way to support yourself, kid. So, uh, <laughs> so I wound up in, um, you know, in advertising and Interesting because we've we've heard a lot the last month or so about the 50th anniversary of Watergate, right? And that was pretty seminal for me because I read all the president's men and I wanted to be Woodward and Bernstein. So I got all ready to go to journalism school and got in. And the first thing they do in Boston, in Boston University, is they send you to Boston City Council meetings. And then they send you to traffic court. And then they send you to write obituaries. And very quickly, I realized 99.9% of journalists are not Woodward and Bernstein. So I gave up on that one and said, uh, I'm creative. I like to write. Maybe I should do things that are more creating content and uh, and work that way. So I've worked on the ad so agency side and PR agency side. I've worked on the corporate side. And for the last 19 years, I've worked uh, on my own as a consultant, which allows me to work with a lot of different companies in, in different stages of their business. And it's a lot of fun. I definitely get that uh, feel from reading your columns. And uh, you wrote a column that really struck me. And you talked about Hojo, the familiar word for Howard Johnson. And some of the people who are listening will go, I don't know what that is. Who's Howard Johnson, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Growing up, I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, and there was the uh, northeast extension of the Turnpike, which got us to Philadelphia and beyond. And every so many miles, there was a Howard Johnson's, which we called Hojo, or as my little sister would say, Joward Hansen's, right? Because she got it backwards. You know, that was where you stopped because that was where you got gas, but also where you got, I don't know, 20, 30 flavors of ice cream. And they were all over the East Coast, maybe the Midwest, too, I think. I'm not sure they got to California. So they were that was where you went. They had the mind share and everybody went to Howard Johnson's. And over a period of time, they kind of faded away. And what I learned right before I wrote that column is the last Howard Johnson's, which was up in, I think, Lake George, New York area, finally closed up and is becoming something else. And so it's the end of an era. And the question is, well, they were so good for so long. Why are they gone? What happened? And it was funny too, because I started doing a little research when uh, we decided that we would talk about this a little bit. And apparently at one point in time, they were it. I mean, they were the largest restaurant chain in the country. Absolutely, before there was McDonald's, as a chain before there was, you know, Denny's and, you know, those other kind of casual fast food restaurants. And, and, and when I lived in New England, we had Friendly's Ice Cream, which was kind of sort of the same. But Howard Johnson's was there long before all the others. The thing is, though, it's not alone. There are lots of other really iconic companies, dominant companies. You know, the Sears Tower used to be, well, it's still in, in Chicago where we used to live, but Sears is gone. And you said something very interesting in a conversation we had that Howard Johnson's could have morphed maybe Sears. What kept Sears from becoming Amazon or Kmart from becoming Walmart? They didn't. It's interesting because Sears was Amazon of the early, the late 19th, early 20th century, because there was a Sears catalog in every home that was mailed to you. There was a Sears catalog store in every major outpost, whether it was a town or a farm community or whatever. And 
before there was the internet, you bought things on Sears and they came to you in the mail, just like Amazon before there was Amazon Prime, to the point where you there are actually just interesting books you can read about Sears houses. You could buy a house that, you know, pick out the plan and up out would come in a, a couple of weeks or a month or two, out would come a, a package of wood and, and, and doors and windows and the carpenters from Sears that would come and put the whole thing together. And these houses still exist. So they were there. But why did they not become Amazon? Why did Kmart not become um, Walmart, et cetera? I think part of it is a problem in Silicon Valley we call uh, the installed base, which is you have customers and you want to keep those customers. And therefore, you don't want to do anything that might hurt your relationship with your existing customers. And therefore, you miss the boat. It's sort of like continuing to sell buggy whips when we're all on, you know, moved to, to automobiles. So you're so busy with the horse and buggies that you miss the fact that automobiles are going to obsolete horse and buggies. And I think that's a big part of it. There are companies that have been around for a long, long time that haven't done that. They haven't gone out. Uh, GM, I mean, they were in trouble for a while, but they're coming back and they're, they've vowed to go all electric. Uh, Xerox, you know, went down, it's come back up and it moves back and forth. There's something that changes is different between Sears and GM. Well, the difference is GM went bankrupt first. Before they had to hit the bottom, before they bounced back up. But, but <laughs> do you have to do that? Yeah, okay. You know, when Xerox at one point, Xerox was a verb. You Xeroxed something, right? You didn't photocopy it. And uh, today, I still talk about Xeroxing something on my HP copier, right? It's not doesn't have the market presence that it had. And that other company in in um, in Rochester, across the road, Kodak own the film market and they couldn't see beyond photo film so those are companies that had to go through kind of a, a metamorphosis to reinvent themselves and why were they able to do that well you know they had to hit ground first but then they had people who said let's look beyond where we are and if you look at the management of gm today they said you know we were big in internal combustion engines for a hundred so many years that's not where the market's going we're going to have to do something different and that's what makes the difference is, is someone who's really willing to be able to take that step and say, I'm going to go beyond all those millions of people who own Chevys and, and Pontiacs and whatever, and think about creating electric vehicles and where we need to be next. I would agree. And of course, what we're talking about is the L word, leadership. You know, it really starts with leadership in so many ways, being able to take in what's going on. But I want to come back before we talk about that, and we'll talk about more of this in the second segment, but it is tough when you have a beloved brand and people don't want you to change. And so the forces that are up against any company that carries a beloved brand are formidable. What's one thing companies must do to stay relevant in the changing market at the highest level? Um, you need to blow up the status quo, because that's five words. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dig deeper with marketing expert Linda Popke, author of Marketing Above the Noise, about what it takes to stay relevant as the world changes. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always, we focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to 
to accelerate the momentum it takes to create game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. We're excited that Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper has been selected as a top podcast in the business, marketing, and tech category of the 2022 PopCon Podcast Awards. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, you can let others know too. Just open the Growth Igniters Radio links on whatever podcast app you use and write a review. And to access our full catalog of over 200 podcast episodes, go to growthignitersradio.com. And to learn more about us, go to businessadvance.com about us. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with marketing expert Linda Popke, author of Marketing Above the Noise, about what it takes to stay relevant as the world changes. Linda, tell us how people could find out more about you, your books, and your work. Um, you can go to my website, which is Leverage, the number two market, so leverage2market.com. Also, you can reach me at marketingabove.com. Um, you can check me out on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, and uh, happy to connect with, with anyone who has questions and hopefully uh, answer any of your questions. And you'll also find a lot of resources on my website, so feel free to go there. And I might add, she also is co-host of Shrimp Tank Podcast. Seattle. Shrimp Tank Seattle, Yes. So you can listen to Linda that way too. And you can find more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 212, and scroll down to resources. So in the first segment, you gave us five words for what <laughs> it takes to stay relevant in a changing world. Why don't you say those five words again? Blow up the status quo. So, well, let's talk about that a little bit more. Tell us what you mean. It would be nice if we had all reached nirvana and we could stay there and everything was beautiful and wonderful. But we're talking about a snapshot and, and really the world is a reel of you know video that keeps moving all the time and keeps changing. And so we live in a world of change. We've seen that to the max in the last couple of years with the pandemic and how everything has changed dramatically. So just because you are at a place now that looks great, you're maybe on the top of the mountaintop for a second, but somebody's going there to, to try and move you off and push you over the edge. So how do you avoid that? You avoid that by looking and saying, where do I need to be next? And blow up the status quo before your competitors do it to you. And a competitor is not necessarily someone that sells a product just like yours. It is someone that that has the mindset, the um, the attention of your potential customers and it might be a totally different way of doing things, but if they're paying attention to that other alternative way of either spending money, spending time, getting somewhere that they need to be, um, refreshing themselves on the side of the road, you know, in terms of getting their ice cream cone, whatever it is, then they're not paying attention to you. So what you need to do is to figure out, I think it's Wayne Gretzky that said, go where the puck will be, not where it is now. So look at where you think that the market is going and what your customers are going to need from you and provide the solution and the help and the support that they're going to need in the future, which may be very, very different than what they've needed from you before. That's really good advice. I'm wondering 
if you've seen some of the things that we've seen, which is we also, of course, work with companies that are moving forward, innovation and growth and all of that. And one of the biggest challenges comes when a visionary leader or leadership team even says, we're going to move in this direction. And you'll find investors or other stakeholders who say, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) we want you to go somewhere else or no, because they have interests as well. So the question is, I mean, we have opinions, but we love getting opinions from our colleagues. What do you see as a way to deal with those various stakeholders? So even when the employees say, yeah, we're there. Well, I think it's it's interesting. And, and the question is, why are you going in that other direction? Are you going because you have a vision that came to you and you just think the world is going to go that way? Or can you justify that? Can you say, here's why this is going this way? People are going to be moving to electric vehicles for GM because of A, B, C, D, and E. People are going to be doing something differently in terms of, you know, Uber and Airbnb came out of nowhere. Now there's things that have come out of the whole pandemic. Of supply chain disruptions. So if you can show a good logical train of thought that says, here's why we need to be here. And then the other thing I find really interesting is what happens if we don't go there? So what if we stay where we are and we keep where we because we do have an install base and we have partners, we have an ecosystem and everything works, but what if it stops working? Then what do we do? And if you can show a loss sometimes, it's easier to show investors in particular how much they're going to lose out on and the downside of staying where you are rather than the upside of possibly going somewhere else because people react more strongly to, yikes, I'm going to lose something. Then, oh, that might be a nice thing to do. What comes to mind, just, I used to use a BlackBerry, which some lots of people did. And uh, in uh, 2007, the iPhone came out. BlackBerry said, ah, nobody's going to want to give up that tactile keyboard. And yet the iPhone completely ate BlackBerry's launch and, and they're now just a shadow of their former selves. And it's because, my hypothesis, BlackBerry didn't think about the emotional impact of that intuitive touch interface and so on. So what is it that people need that they don't even know they need. Well, you know, and that, this is interesting because it brings us to, to Steve Jobs, who was a visionary, incredible visionary. And he did not ask his customers what they wanted because had he asked any of us, would you like this and this? We would have gone, what are you, crazy? We can't do that. But he said, what if we take the technology and we do this and this and we give people the ability to do what they couldn't do before? I mean, I, I missed the BlackBerry one. I, I missed that keyboard, whatever. But hey, I've gone on. Um, And the problem, I think, with BlackBerry is they said people are used this device in business to send email by typing text. And that was the way that was the horse and buggy, because today email is not the biggest thing that people are doing on their phone. In fact, they're not even using their phones to make telephone calls. You talk to your kids and your grandkids, they're like, call on the phone. Why would I do that? I'll text you. I'll, I'll send you a tweet or I'll forward you a TikTok or something. So there are all different ways that people are using the technology where, again, BlackBerry said, we're really good at this and we're going to keep being very good at this. And then everything went right by them. And, you know, I I guess they still exist, but I don't know anybody in the last 10 years that's used the BlackBerry. Yeah, that's that's true. I think there's another point, too, which is the leadership makes a certain decision about 
where they're going to go. If you have customers that insist that you're serving fried clams, to go back to your Hojo example and taking us way back, you know, there are people who said, I don't want to change. And you have to decide which customers you're going to go with. And we've seen now, of course, customer companies rather divesting, spinning off pieces of yeah. the company that you would think, no, they're not going to do this, like Kellogg. Yeah, splitting up. Kellogg without cornflakes. Yeah. They were all about cereal. Now, I think it used to be, I think on some level, you say, well, the customer wants this. Well, now you say, well, which customers do you want? Who or what are we even about anymore? Now that and that's a really important point because there's sometimes a feeling that any customer is a good customer. We'll take your money, we'll give you a product, we'll move on. That's not true. I mean, we there are metrics like lifetime value of a customer where you can see how much a customer is going to get you versus what is going to cost for you to support them. But even beyond that, there are customers that are just going to be a lot of work to maintain. And they may not be where you want to be. They may be stuck in the old paradigm. And maybe wanting you want to move somewhere else and they're not going to go with you. So do you want your customers to be the ones that are on the leading edge? Are they innovative? Are they willing to go forward with uh, with new technology? Do you want the people who need security? So understanding who your customers are and what motivates them and where you want your customer base to be is absolutely critical. And yet there's a lot of value in brands and especially established brands. So one of the things we've discussed off and on is this issue of staying flexible and forward-looking, but still maintaining that strong bond to the brand that people know and love. What's one or two keys that leaders can think about when they want to do that? I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I'm always preaching about the power of brands. And I think it's because it, what you need to do is to make sure that you understand what it is people really love about your brand. And in some cases, it's the product, but in some cases, it's not. It's about the experience, right? So, I mean, we've all seen, you know, Apple has a new introduction of a, a phone or an iPod or a computer or something, and people line up around the block to be the first ones to get there. At least they did before COVID. I don't know if they still do that. But, you know, why are they doing that? Is it because it's that particular Apple product? Not necessarily, because some of these people, you ask them, what is it that makes this specific device so interesting? I don't know. It's just Apple's newest product. But they, the experience and the, what Apple gives them and the feeling they get of working with Apple, and then Apple goes off in another direction, so that the point when Apple takes away the microphone jack or they do something else, you know, oh, darn, that's a pain, but I'm going to get in line with the next Apple product anyway, because it's not about the product. It's not about the technology. It's about the whole brand experience. And what's also important is that everybody in an Apple, go to an Apple store, everybody from the person who greets you at the door to the geniuses, to the people who, you know, who whatever stock the shelves, they know what the Apple brand is and they know what that experience is. And they are there to be part of that experience for customers. So we are more than customers. We are people who are experiencing the company. And as a person who went to Sears store shortly before, they closed because I love Sears tools. That experience got worse and worse and worse. And they just circled sad. the drain. It's sad. It's very sad. It was very sad. I mean, I, I see Hojo's Lego. I see, you know, all kinds of, of stores that, you know, that were good that, you know, that I enjoyed going to for years and decades and whatever. And they go away because either they can't keep up in today's environment 
or they just have lost that experience. And it's just not to say, go to a Macy's today. It's not the way it was 10 years ago, unfortunately. Absolutely. So we have to stay in touch with what it is that customers want. We have to know what kind of customer we even want to have. There's a lot to take in. And right now we're going to take in a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dig deeper with marketing expert, Linda Popke, author of Marketing Above the Noise and what it takes to stay relevant as the world changes. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered if so many CEOs think it's important to lead for business transformation and long-term growth in a rapidly changing world, why can it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? As an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mysterious pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me on a long search for answers. So what's the secret of the great leaders? The successful visionary leaders I call growth igniters? The ones who are able to ignite game-changing business growth over and over again? What's their secret? They're able to embrace the leadership paradoxes that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How do they do this? That's what I share in my keynote, How Growth Igniters Lead for Tomorrow, starting today. Go to PamHarperSpeaks.com today to find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership event. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with marketing expert Linda Popke, author of Marketing Above the Noise, about keeping your company relevant in this rapidly changing world, not missing the boat. Linda, tell us how people can find out more about you, your books, and your work. So you can find out more about me by going to my website, which is Leverage, the number two market, so leveragetomarket.com. Or you can find more directly about the book by going to marketingabove.com. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter. And there's lots of great resources, free resources on my website. So hope to hear from you. And you can find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 212, and scroll down to resources. So we are now at the part of our episode where we talk about immediately useful ideas. And in this case, it's immediately useful ideas for staying relevant, for not missing the boat. You know, the world keeps changing. So let's talk about them one at a time so we can digest them. What's the first immediately useful idea, Linda? Uh, I think first you got to get out of your own way. So you, you've built a box around yourself and put yourself in a box. It might be a lovely box, but you need to break out of that box, break away from your existing thinking. Think about what if, what if we did something different? What if we did something totally crazy? So allow yourself to think innovatively, to think about things that didn't exist before and to try things differently. Oh, that's a nice concept, Linda, but how do you do that? Because we're all of us so darn busy and we have to make things happen. How do you make space for that? 
you've got to take time. And I work with a client who's into innovation and she says, you know, we talk about brainstorming and which is yeah. diverging. And then when you converge, it takes twice as much time to evaluate all the ideas, but we don't spend enough time with that. So you need to come up with ideas and then you need to take the time to research them and say, which one might have some validity. And again, if you don't take the time, you wind up with that, that empty orange roof building. So question is, are you going to take the time now or are you going to have plenty of time when you're out of business later? I think that's a really important way to look at it. In other words, we only have so many hours in a day. It's true. But if we don't look out ahead and understand what the implications are of staying in that orbit, then it's a decaying orbit of the status quo as we talk about. Well, that, absolutely right. And you have to jog your brain in new ways. When I worked in innovation back before I joined Pam, one of the things we would ask ourselves sometimes is, what could we do with our product that we would never actually do because it, it would be too weird? And that would make people go, oh, well, that, that's a weird idea, but what about this? And that gets me to my second suggestion, which is how do we take what we the assets we have and kind of throw them up in the air and put them back together and do something differently so think about you've got all your assets come as legos and they come together and you've built something smash those legos and now you've still got red blue yellow green legos of different shapes and sizes what else can you build with them so here's an example in the u.s we have post offices in every single town and what do they do they deliver the mail they take your mail and packages in some cases you can buy stamps or boxes you might even be able to get your passport renewed. That's it. If you go to New Zealand, they've got post offices in each town that have been, they said, hey, we've got this resource. It's a store. You can buy, you know, office supplies. You can get all of your government activities done, whether you need the equivalent of Social Security or you needed to see another government agency. They said, here's an asset that we have. How can we use mm -hmm. it more effectively? So there's an idea, you know, as, a, as our federal government, why were we not using these big empty buildings that are basically warehouses for mail? Why aren't we using them more effectively? Because we have those assets and we can, but we haven't thought outside the box to do that. You know, I'm seeing more and more articles coming out about companies that are starting to do that, especially here in the New York metro area where we've got all this unused office space. And uh, it makes so much sense to be thinking essentially what you're talking about is repurposing. Absolutely. It's it's like I've got chicken and potatoes and oh, onions and carrots. Scott's uh, <laughs> interested in cooking. That's his thing. And uh, here are you know six ingredients and I can use them in thousands of different ways. That's kind of the same thing. So let's go to the third idea. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the situation in the world today and think about how you can use where we are today to make the world a better place. And that doesn't mean that we are taking advantage of someone else's misfortune, but look at what's come out of the COVID pandemic in terms of new services and new ways of doing things. There are supply chain disruptions. So there are people creating different ways to get products to market. We've got this horrible situation in Ukraine, but there are opportunities to help how do we get grain from one part of the world to the other so people aren't starving? Got inflation. What does that mean? How do we help people? We've got a whole gun violence crisis. How do we figure out how to do things better? So again, I'm not suggesting that you, um, you try to build on anybody's pain or sorrow or suffering, but you say, given that this is what's going on today, 
how do we, with our knowledge and our assets and our intelligence and the, the resources we have, how do we help make the world a better place by doing something in today's world, but not waiting for the old world, which isn't coming back, not waiting for the new world, which is never going to get here, but today. Yeah, uh, Pam constantly is reminding me when I get down that in every challenge, there's an opportunity. In, in fact, I think that was a, a quote by Einstein you saw years ago, right? Yes. You know, it's uh, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. We saw it on a chalkboard on a sidewalk. It was in New Zealand, in Auckland. And uh, it was crowded, and that was the sign. And I think it really uh, lends itself to these times. I think we need to think very creatively. So... Here we are. We're at the end of our episode, and we don't want to let you go without sharing a final thought about this, not missing the boat and staying relevant in this world. So I, I think it, playing off the sign Scott said earlier, which is how do we see beyond where we are? We're so busy doing our everyday lives. Sometimes you need to look outside the box by having someone else help you do that. The metaphor I like is that there is no selfie stick long enough that lets you take your picture and see the entire environment. You just cannot have an arm long enough to do that. You need someone else to take that picture and say, here's what I see next to you, and here's what I see in proportion. So have someone else come in, uh, move back, give you an outside perspective, give you some ideas. There are lots of resources. People like you do that. People like I do it. People who are experts in specific technology do that. But do it because you don't know what's going to change, but I can guarantee you something is going to change. That's the world we live in. And the only constant about change is that it will keep happening and things are going to be different. So get some help. Don't, don't try to do this all yourself. Don't try to be a hero. Get the people who can help you see that bigger picture. Absolutely. Well, Linda, thanks for being our guest on Growth Igniters Radio. Oh, my pleasure. It's been fun. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 212. Until next time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to consider and discuss with your team. What is one thing, just one thing, we can start doing differently to build on the trust that our company has already earned and tune into the future so we can stay relevant as the world keeps changing. Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved. <laughs>